Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheels still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming For the loser, now will be later to win But the times, they are changing Come mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are changing Welcome to the Culture Quest Podcast. We'll kick off today's episode with the first instalment of Candy Bar Corner, and then we jump into the main discussion of the comic book, Watchmen. Finally, Anon will introduce the topic of next episode, Rebel Without a Cause, a 1955 movie. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today, we're taking matters in our own hands. With me... As always, our Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Inan. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today, we're discussing the Watchmen comic series, uh, which came out in the 80s, and I think it has kind of a cult following. Also, in recent years, uh, there was both a movie and a TV show based on that comic. We'll get into that in a bit. But before we do that, we have a new segment to do, and this one is called Candy Bar Corner. On today's first Culture Quest Candy Bar Corner, or the CQCBC, we're discussing movie snacks. Let me start by asking you guys this. In general, are you more of a, a sweet or a salty snack kind of guy? Hmm. Well, that's a very interesting question. I think that the greatest candy is one that brings the two elements together in harmony. Like Snickers. You say Snickers? Yeah. Not, not yeah, the shoes. Snickers. Yeah, not, <laughs> the, not the, the peanuts shoes. and chocolate candy bar. Yeah, it's Snickers and Snickers. Oh, shed some light Snickers. on this. Yeah, yeah, okay. I know Snickers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The shoes. <laughs> I don't really like Snickers. Really, I love peanut butter. I love chocolate. I, I don't think it's peanut butter in Snickers. I think it's just peanuts, and I don't like that. Man, that sounds like the definition of an insanity. It's been a while since I've had chocolate because I actually don't know when, up until when, but up until maybe 10 years old, I loved chocolate. I thought, greatest thing ever. And then as soon as I hit like a certain point, I just stopped liking it. And now if there's like any chocolate in something, so like it's 95% not chocolate, but then there's like chocolate sprinkles or something like that, then I can't have it. Really? Like it's basically like having like a drink of water where it's just like a shot of piss in it. Like it's, it's, it's ruined. Wow. It's, it's ruined for me. It's harsh. Yeah. So it's good working in an office because um, if you don't like chocolate, then like you don't gain as much weight because half the things that come in from either like clients, birthdays is chocolate based. So it just doesn't appeal to me. So that's good. In fact, it's probably like a good thing 
But I did find it weird that I had such a radical change, mm. which after not liking chocolate, you realize a lot of things have chocolate in it. Like, it's a big thing. I had a, <laughs> a, a, a stretch of a few years uh, a while back, just basically kind of ignored anything that was sweet. I, I didn't like sweet for a while, but then I started dating this girl and she just... Transformed your personality? Yeah, exactly. Just by spending time with her, I am my taste just completely changed. And now I, I'm okay with sweet, but I, I'm a, I lean towards salty snacks. What's your like go-to salty stuff? Are you talking like salt and vinegar chips? I love those. What, what else is salty? I'm kind of like struggling For me, to there's, visualize. Uh, something here in Israel called bamba, which is basically, it, it kind of looks like cheese doodles, but it's peanutty. And I, ever since I was a baby, like that was my top yeah, thing. I'm just looking it up and that's like, they look like Cheetos repackaged. Yeah, they kind of look like the Cheetos Puffs. Oh, things. but they're nougat filled. And that's fairly new, like last oh, 10 sorry. years. Variations. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, the nougat ones, oh, and cool. they're, they, they're filling it up with all kinds of stuff now. But the, the classic one, the just peanut one, is amazing. And the, the nougat one, imagine like a, a peanut butter crust, maybe, because it's, it's, it's crispy. And then fill it with nougat. I love putting it in the freezer until it's like hardened and uh, that's just perfect i think the food that i would say is like no it's not my go-to because it's so unhealthy like i just would feel guilty having it more than like once a year but there's like these um white chocolate raspberry licorice bullets Hmm. so like it's red licorice right with white chocolate covering them it's like it's just amazing. That sounds it's awful. It's so good. <laughs> awful. I'm not into the licorice, but licorice with chocolate. No, no, no. But the <laughs> the licorice is like, it's called raspberry licorice, but it's not like, it's got none of the weirdness of licorice. Mm. It's basically like, it's sort of like red frogs. You, red frogs. You guys have frogs, right? No, I don't. I mean, we have the animals, but I don't. Oh I my don't. <laughs> God. Red frogs. If I put it in, it's always amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. In Australia, if you put in red frogs, it'd be so hard to find the wildlife version because everything on the internet in Australia is just like, Allen's, Allen's, red frogs. Allen's is a um, confectionery company. Basically, they're like just gummies in the shape of frogs, but we bloody love them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're very popular. I, I'm realizing how like nation-specific food is. Like, I feel like a lot of food... You guys might not have. Do you have like the um, little bananas? Chocolate bananas? No, no, no. Banana bananas. Banana bananas. They're more like chalky kind of. It's like a piece of chalk almost. Yeah, the cho- uh, we have like chalky um, like lollipops. Okay. Do you guys have like the little pineapples? No. <laughs> what about milk bottles? Milk Do bottles? Have- <laughs> milk bottles? <laughs> what are milk bottles? We what? have milk. <laughs> milk bottles, little milk bottles, right? You have milk bottles. <laughs> yeah, milk bottle candy. Mm. They're just like little milk bottles, like mini versions of milk. Do bottles. they taste like milk or like butter? Or sort something? of, yeah, a little bit. Like are those, milk. That are sounds those nice. Chocolate or or what is like what is? Yeah, it? well, what's, what's the texture? They're kind of a bit weird. They they kind of taste like um, look. They're essentially a gummy, but. They don't taste like your regular glossy gummies. They're like matte gummies. <laughs> it's not doing much, but like, uh, no. <laughs> they're kind of like different. They're not like rubbery. They're sort of more like, <laughs> I don't know. Very hard to describe. Let they me, seem like, interesting though. Yeah. Now, little milk bottles are good. Little bananas are the best. Uh, little pineapples are very good. 
We have a lot of little versions of this thing. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite candy, it's like this thing called Bilar, which is from Sweden. They sell it at Ikea, actually. But it's like these little cars, and they're kind of, again, a gummy-based thing. I heard about those. I mean, everything is essentially a gummy, you know, but like they're a little bit chalky, but they've got not a minty bit, definitely not mint, got to make that clear, but like <laughs> almost a bit mint. <laughs> it's like if mint was tasted by aliens. <laughs> I'm so bad at describing things. <laughs> if mint had like a brother. You know, <laughs> that wasn't minty. <laughs> and the whole family was embarrassed by it. If Mint was going through a phase, <laughs> this would be it after that phase. A non a non minty phase. Yeah. And Mint went through a non minty phase. Uh, yeah. I, I think I got that, you. That, yeah, that I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that makes it clear. That's good. <laughs> no, but in movies, um, I okay. So here's my thing. It's a little bit weird, right? But a lot of the movies I see in in cinemas are like the superhero movies, right? Mm. Superhero movies have superheroes in them. Superheroes very fit, right? Mm. And every time I went to, a, I, I remember going to a movie cinema, and I brought like all these snacks. I brought this the cars. I brought the bullets. I brought like bananas, mini versions of like every bottles. grocery item. Yeah. And like <laughs> I had like a fizzy drink. I, I remember I was like maybe 16 or something like that. And I was watching like Chris Hemsworth throw hammers and stuff like that. And <laughs> I, I'm just like chomping off. And I, I, I remember I ate like four bags again. I must have eaten like a kilo of like stuff with like all these like sodas and stuff like that. And I just got to like the third act of the movie. I'm like, I was so disgusted with myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, it, like, uh, who am I? So after that experience, every time after that, I've always brought something that's like not super healthy, but isn't so bad. Like yeah. I'll bring like <laughs> olives or something like that. Like <laughs> I, I do bring olives a lot. Sometimes I'll bring like grapes or something really? <laughs> like really weird stuff but like usually not as like calorie intensive as that stuff because like every time i watch a movie i'm like oh wow that's a cool looking guy in a suit and then i'll like be like oh man i feel so bad <laughs> so it, i've been like guilty He's so fit munch munch that's munch. america's butt jump 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't know. I felt like I didn't enjoy the movie as much. So, yeah. I'm a that, huge fan of olives. I never thought about bringing olives to the movie theater. When I remember going and I brought like four types of olives as well. Like, I went all out. Honestly, I, I, I'm sticking with the classic popcorn. Uh, I can't get enough of popcorn. Yeah, popcorn's all right. It's not did you, all right. Did you ever it's do, uh, did really you ever amazing. do popcorn and uh, M&M? Well, mm. where, where you pour like a bag of M&Ms into the popcorn? Yeah, it works it melt? great, great. It's just so much fun. And, and Do, you, yeah, do I, you melt down the M&Ms? Yeah, I tried it with M&M peanuts and it was even better than I thought because <laughs> really? like, the chocolate is a bit melty, the, the peanuts and the popcorn being all salt. It was just amazing. I forgot about the movie. I just <laughs> ate it all. <laughs> what about you, Anon? What's your go-to movie? snack uh, i started talking about popcorn because like i can't get enough of popcorn i remember going like with my family to the movies as a kid and like they were all arguing about which movie we're going to go and see and i couldn't care less i was just happy thinking about the popcorn and 
I have to say, I also really like the, the microwave popcorn stuff, which is, is a bit of a confession because like a good friend of mine, you know, a roommate from college is also a huge popcorn fan and she's kind of a, a popcorn purist. She always prefers making popcorn on her own. And and I, I it's great popcorn, but I love the microwave popcorn stuff. I've had the popcorn from the microwave and honestly, I prefer it. Like it. I like it. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I, I love the, the movie theater stuff. I love the homemade stuff. I love the microwave stuff. And also, I love the... there's. I, I, I'm sure there, you have something like that in, in, in Australia or in America, wherever, wherever you're listening to this. But here in Israel, there's this thing called Popco, which is... Uh, it's a bagged popcorn snack, which is butter and caramel flavored which I hmm. just love. Like, I, it might be what kettle corn is. I'm not exactly sure. It's my favorite sweet snack. It's not too sweet. It's a bit salty. Do you have like a, a favorite snack for when you're watching a movie at home versus like, a, a, is it a different oh. snack than when you're watching a movie in the theater? Yeah, I when I'm at home, I'll kind of, this is also changing as well because this is becoming more of the cinema experience as well. Mm. But if I'm at home, I usually try to have like the meal when I'm watching. So like mm. usually it's something like finger food, like pizza or something like that. But yeah, I'll usually try to time it. So then I have dinner when the movie starts. That's, That's perfect. usually the best. Yeah. yeah. But now in like cinemas in pretty much everywhere in Australia, like there's some option for you to have like a meal. You have to go to like the special, they'll, they'll have like one or two cinemas that have this like the table function and like maybe even service and drinks and stuff like that but i think most cinemas have it is it a different tier of uh like when you're getting a ticket is it a different kind of ticket or uh everyone has it like is it the yeah basic no it, it is a it is a different ticket i would say yeah. like you add on like i don't know a few dollars or something like that yeah. there's less people there's not as many people mm, that sounds perfect like, yeah yeah it's pretty good Peter, when, when was the last time you've been you've been at the cinema long time i think it was jojo rabbit I miss it. I think they're opening the cinemas here like in a week or really? so. So uh... Well, we've actually got cinemas open. You've had your cinemas open, Peter? You guys are crazy yeah, in Australia. Yeah, cinemas have been open for a while since last year. You guys took care of that coronavirus. That's amazing. Yeah, so um, we just had an election actually in, in our state. And um, this is how well it went. The opposition party didn't get enough like votes to form an opposition <laughs> <laughs> that so there's now it's now like the main party and then all these tiny little like satellite like parties <laughs> like it's just it's like absolutely dictatorship here but the thing is we all like the dictator so like we don't care I wish we like liked the our papers dictator. don't like him because the papers are i don't want to get into like how australia works essentially but for for one reason or another the papers don't particularly like the premier but everyone in the state who lives here liked the premier after he won or something like that. it was it was called i think his name's uh, mark or something like that actually i don't know if that's relevant i think it, the i think the <laughs> I, I think the title i thought it was going to be a i thought it was going to be a, like an alliteration of his name or something but i don't think it was it was just like is he a sweet or like, a salty snack kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> i think he'd be a salty snack guy he's a very he's a sweet guy but very salty i'd say but anyway, so it was like a it was like a dictator state or something like that. Like I don't think the paper gets it because it's like we all voted commutatively 
that this guy should run it. And now he got so many votes. The paper's like, look what you've done. Like now he's the only one in charge. And we're like, well, that's <laughs> literally what it. we voted for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you got to imagine you, when you're writing it, the 95% of people who see that voted for that guy. So like, <laughs> the thing about popular political parties are that they're popular, you know what I mean? So they don't often get as much like people like rallying against them because it only makes sense. there's less people too. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but yeah, no, he's definitely a salty snack guy. I'd say <laughs> he used to be a he used to be a like a navy commander. He, no, you know what? I retract that. He's probably not even a snack guy. He probably oh, eats like yeah. wheat bix for breakfast. You guys yeah. have wheat bix, right? Yeah, we do. Is your candy bar very expensive? Because there's actually a very good skit about it um, by people called um, Fairbarn Films. So I'll, I might link it in the show notes. But, like, the prices, it's ex- extortionate. Daylight robbery. It's its amazing how expensive it is. Like, a pack of M&M's, say it's, like, $3 in mm-hmm. the supermarket. As soon as you get out of that wonderful land of supermarket where they're trying to get value and, yeah. you know, retain customers, as soon as you get to the dark land of the cinema, those prices go up up, up, like $5, $6, $8, $10. It becomes like so extortionate. So yeah, it like, sounds you familiar, wanna, yeah. If you're, If you're like a sucker who's like bought all the food you need to have for like three people because you booked last minute and, you know, all that, yeah. you just like the, the, the price of the tickets will seem like an extra charge above the food. Yeah, <laughs> like next to the movie theater, there's there's a bank <laughs> where you can take a loan just to just to pay for the snacks. Yeah, and I think it's something global. I think they basically break even on the the movies and like just all their money is in the snacks. It has to be that way. But would you say Snickers is your favorite candy bar? No. Is there a candy bar that isn't chocolatey? Something that Peter might like? Well, probably like granola bars. <laughs> Don't insult me with that. Don't <laughs> chuck a granola bar at me. <laughs> I think nougat bars is probably the best you could do. Also, do you have Mars bars? Yeah, we yeah. do. Because I remember Mars and Snickers being very good when I used to like chocolate, but I always thought Mars was just a bit better. You got you got Twix, right? Yeah, Twix is is my favorite one. Oh, actually, they did a white chocolate Twix recently yeah, in Australia, that's good. and it was very good. Very, I like very that good. Too. We like all the company and their values. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get a sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> They're, if they continue making the white ones, like the the white Twix are just like amazing. I, I grew up watching Seinfeld and there's like an episode about Twix, which I loved when I was a kid. And I always wanted to get Twix and, and, and see what, what it's like. And I think we only got Twix here in Israel when I was like a teenager. So it was a while. So I my expectations were so, you know, they were as high as they can be. And and it delivered. I love Twix hmm. and the white ones. Yeah. They're they're even better. There's also you, you probably know Kit Kat, right? Yeah, it's kind of like those chocolate fingers connected. So I had uh, a couple of months ago matcha flavored Kit Kat, like from Japan. Mm, the green you know what ones. Matcha is? Yeah, matcha. Yeah. yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it tasted though. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, it was different, but I don't know. It it was interesting. I I didn't like the flavor. I enjoyed the experience. You know, like it, it was it was completely new. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it felt it felt like traveling. <laughs> a few years ago, a friend got from Japan. I, I think it was potato chips flavored Kit Kats, and they were 
not great, but it was fun tasting those. Oh, that, that sounds disgusting. Uh, there's a bunch of different like Kit Kat flavors in Japan. Let, let me Google those. Japanese Kit Kats. Premium Japan exclusive flavors. Peter, you have any salty snack that you find yourself like sit and, and eat one by one and can't stop? Yeah, what's your favorite salty snack? Hmm. Look, again, I don't think I've had a bag of chips in maybe five, ten years, but I would say salt and vinegar chips I are love very those. good. Yeah. Very, very good. I'm looking at like Japanese Kit Kat flavors, and it's it's all in Japanese, so I can't make out the flavors, but there's like pineapple ones, and there's ones with like drawings of flowers on them. There's lemon with like a bowl of sugar. And there's one with the seal on it, and there's one which looks like onions. I think the pineapple one sounded good, but the other one... Yeah, I, so I sure. kind of want to know what the seal one is. Yeah, like a fish-flavored one. Oh, these are chestnuts. There's, they, these aren't onions. Makes much more sense. <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. That one really slipped by us, didn't we? Onion-flavored <laughs> chocolate or whatever. Like, no one, no one questioned that. Look at the picture. That. Tell me it doesn't yeah, look yeah, like onions. Onion, yep, you can go through <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does actually look a lot like onions. What is the bottom one? I thought it was flowers. Looks like fried chicken. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> I reckon the seal one is like a marine flavor. Marine? Like it's coastal, like like a salty, like a beach flavored a one. A beach flavored one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going for the meat of the no, seal. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's seal and, uh, and ice? What is it? It's like maybe minty? Oh, yeah, maybe like a minty yeah, one. That's, cool one. That's yeah. more likely. Which, I don't know. Yeah, Doesn't and then the seal is just like cold. Yeah. That, you know, we've redeemed them since... Like, I still think the bottom one's fried chicken, but, you know, the walnut one or whatever, the lemon and the mint, that's all acceptable. The onion and the seal flavor, it wasn't... Wasn't the best. I just noticed I'm like, I'm looking at the pictures of the Kit Kats and I'm looking in an Amazon page. I can like order those and we can taste them. Oh, that'd be yeah, cool. That could be a, like a literal candy bar segment. <laughs> Today we're discussing Watchmen. And I'm not talking about the 2009 movie, which might come up, and not the 2019 TV show which also might come up, but specifically the comic series from the 80s. Um, the Watchmen comic series is made up of 12 chapters, made by Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, and John Higgins, and published by DC throughout 86 and 87. The story told in the comics is set in an alternate reality in the year 1985, if I remember correctly, and, you know, in the story's reality in the 40s, I think 39 or 1940, a few people took inspiration from, like, superhero comics, became vigilantes, and started fighting crime. And it's not clear at first, but these are ordinary people, like, smart, talented, well-trained people, but not superheroes. There's no superpowers involved. I think they're usually referred to as masks. Um, and in the 40s, a few vigilantes teamed up as the Minutemen, which popularized the whole masked vigilante thing, and they inspired a new generation after their group broke up in 1949. And one important event in the Watchmen story took place in 1959 when Jonathan Osterman, a physicist, had an accident. He, you know, he gets stuck in this weird machine that does something with some stuff that has to do with physics, I think. Uh, probably some comic world made-up sciencey stuff. And he becomes this weird uh, blue god, basically, known as Dr. Manhattan. 
Um, and with the help of Doc Manhattan and the masks, the, the USA manages to win the war in Vietnam. Technology advances in this wild pace, and the world's history progresses in kind of a different direction. And at some point in the 70s, the masks lose their charm, and people start asking who's watching the Watchmen. The Keen Act is initiated, which bans masked heroes. And, you know, some heroes happily retire. Some use their fame to advance their career or something. And some just lay low, remain active. Uh, and as I said, the main story takes place in 1985. And around that time, the pressure between the countries in the world rises and World War III looms near. And also, it seems that someone is trying to kill or get rid of any known masks. Like at first, uh, it seems kind of like a coincidence, but then it becomes clear that something's going on. Like someone kills the comedian, which is kind of a famous uh, hero. Uh, and someone convinces the world that Dr. Manhattan is... Uh, giving people around him cancer and, and gets Dr. Manhattan to leave Earth and go to Mars. And someone tries to assassinate Adrian Veidt, uh, a.k.a. Ozymandias, another hero. And like throughout the story, we see how Rorschach, one of the heroes, Danny, a.k.a. the Night Owl, and Laurie, the Silk Spectre, uh, try to figure out what's going on while John, oh, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan, is struggling with even fighting interest with the life on Earth and, you know, coming up with reasons to help at all. And I think that other than the interesting setting that the story takes place in, the, the atmosphere of the book is worth mentioning. It, it, it's, it helps making everything really interesting. It's very dark, kind of cynical, dirty. All of the characters have either personality flaws or skeletons in their closet or something. It all kind of comes together to create this kind of a special feel. And that's basically it. So... How'd you guys enjoy Watchmen? How'd you read it? How'd you, how'd you feel about the whole thing? So going into it, I, I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I would definitely pick it up eventually. Yeah, we, we talked about it a few times. Yeah, I just wasn't sure whether I wanted to watch the movie or read the comic, because obviously doing one of which, the other one that you don't pick is obviously going to be reduced a little bit. Sometimes yeah. it's reduced, sometimes it's not, but you know, you always take that risk. Mm. I'm glad I went with the comic. My initial impressions were that, like, as soon as I started reading, I thought, this is good. Like, they're going in depth into the characters. Although I did think there would be more characters. I was surprised that they limited it to sort of eight. Not for any um, specific reason. I just imagined it might have got out to, like, 20 or something like that. But I'm happy they didn't. I think it was, like, they needed the time to go through. They almost dedicated like a chapter to each character in, yeah. in, in a way. Wow. And um, like overall, I just thought it was fantastic. Like I'm really impressed with it. And the probably the best part about it is the characters. It's, it's character driven, but the plot is obviously fantastic. The artwork is good. I think like it's different to modern day artwork um, in terms of like People are getting really into colors and sort of detail and stuff like that in sort of like 2000s onwards. So you you don't get that. You get more of a, I don't want to say bland, but I'd say more more of like a flatter image yeah. um, mm. than you might get with the more modern comics. But honestly, if if someone says, oh, we were going to, we're going to do it. Do you want the, what it is now? Or do you want to get it like spiced up? Honestly, I kind of like it how it is. Like, mm. it gives it personality. Like, obviously, it gives it that retro feel. Like, it was written in the 85, and it does feel set 
like back in 85, even though like the, the civilization is way more advanced yeah. than what it was in 1985. And yeah, I'd say overall, like I give it pretty much five stars all round. Yeah, I, I was super impressed with it. Did you get to watch the movie? No, I didn't. I was going to watch the movie, but I just, I kind of wanted to leave it to sit with this a little bit because otherwise I would have been like, I don't know, trying to either blend them together or um, or kind of forgetting about the comic and focusing on the movie. But I think um, depending on what we want to do, I'd probably watch it in the next couple of days. So I already watched the movie and saw the TV series before getting into the comic. It's it's one of the reasons I wanted to get into the comic because it looked very interesting and very like very complicated universe and and it intrigued me. And it was a fantastic experience. I think the comic is just you know, it's just a masterpiece. Like I can remember the last story that I heard that was threaded with with those different characters so well. I, yeah. like, I guess yeah. you could have you could have told the entire story without ever mentioning the Minutemen, right? But it adds so much more. You know, the Minutemen, the the first group that started yeah. that started the first everything. First wave I mean, of kind of superheroes. Yeah, of uh, of custom heroes that, yeah. but they don't because they don't really play a very major part in the Watchmen. But it adds so much more depth. One of the best things that, that I enjoyed in this whole thing is that there are no superheroes. It's just like plain old men and women that try to fight crime and, and create those symbols. Very, very similar to Batman. And then suddenly there is a superhero, but he's actually a god. Like it's it's so much more like they took it from zero to to 100 and that i think that was brilliant i i enjoyed it so much so i agree with you peter that the drawings are uh flat in compared to to what we have now but i think it's uh it's also part of its charm mm. and kind of like a very nice way of you know showing um other things in the process like i think that the whole uh What's the story of the pirates called that's being kind of told throughout? Tale the... of the Black Freighter. Yeah. You couldn't have done it without being able to show it. And and the concept of a comic within a comic. Uh, <laughs> kind of cool, it was, yeah. It was, it was awesome. I, I love the comic. I, I think there's a lot of things going on here. I, I really think there's a lot of good things to point out. But I don't think I loved it as much as you two did. I, I read a chapter or so before going to sleep every night, which was a lot of fun. And I also had, you know, a, a music to go along with it. So it was it, it kind of became like a little thing I did before going to sleep, kind of a, a new habit I got into. And I had a lot of fun with it because, like, it created this weird atmosphere to go to sleep with, which is so different than what I'm used to. It was a fun experience. And I loved the the weird, dirty, dark feeling it had. And I really loved how the story developed, the creative ways it was told. Like, uh, And I loved the twist. I loved the ending. I kind of loved how between each chapter, there's this kind of a bonus bit of reading, like an excerpt from a book that one of the characters wrote or a news article or, or an interview about another character. You know, interesting stuff that made the universe it was set in much bigger. I thought that the ending was maybe a bit rust, and I didn't fully connect with all of the characters. You know, I thought some of the characters were a tad weaker 
Uh, I think I might have had somewhat bloated expectations, you know, after years of hearing people raving about the movie and now about the TV show. And every once in a while, I, you know, heard people t- saying how the comics are even better than the movie and, and, and the TV show. So I think I, I kind of expected to read something that feels legendary and it's not that for me. I don't know. I, I definitely think it's, it's very well made and I think it has a bunch of personality to it, which is, which is great. And I'll mention that I accidentally kind of spoiled the, the, the ending for myself. Like, you know, as I was reading the book, I, I, I kind of tried to do what I did with the, the Transformers, if you remember. Like, I, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I'm not missing any details as I was reading. And w- with the Transformers, I always had the, the Transformers wiki open next to the comic so I could kind of find details and, and, and make sure that I'm understanding what's going on. And, you know, at, at, at some point, I wasn't sure if there were two comedians like you know there were two generations of night owls yeah or two generations of the silk specters so i wasn't sure if the comedian uh, switched if the if it was a different person or it was just a, a different kind of a suit so i went into the watchman wiki and looked up the comedian and it mentions who killed him and the comedian's death is kind of the starting point of this story the the book starts with the sentence a comedian died in new york tonight or something like that and you're not supposed to know who kills him. And, I don't know, finding out who killed him is kind of the ending point of the story. So I kind of knew what was going to happen, and I wish I didn't. But I, all in all, I still, I, I did enjoy this, you know? I, I did enjoy the book. I know I want to bring up, like, just the creative way that they would meld the different times, Ooh, like yeah. the different storylines at different times, and then they would they would have a line which was relevant for both stories or even mm. three stories. Yeah. They they would do that a lot. And then the other thing I noticed was they'd often like the theme of like one sentence would start off the conversation in the next sort of bit of the chapter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would do that quite often, which is less cool than the first bit. But <laughs> uh, I still thought it was cool because I'm like, oh, I got that bit. You know, like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like they were fun moments, which I don't, think is in every comic yeah totally agree i think the the kind of moment that stuck out to me uh, in the third chapter i think there was a bit where john or uh, dr manhattan is getting ready for like this live interview on tv and he's kind of being briefed by a producer guy or something and the panels kind of alternate between showing john preparing for the interview and laurie and dan uh, the silk specter and the night owl who are walking down this dark alley and they're being mugged by a few guys and the dialogue from the Dr. Manhattan panels spilled into the Laurie and Dan panels. And it, it, it seems so unrelated, mm. but the, the dialogue fit both storylines. You know, the, the, the producer's text, the dialogue, kind of shed a, uh, this weird light, kind of gave a darker spin to, to the Dan and Laurie panels. And that mixture was really, really fun, you know? And that would be hard to plan, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you're planning out a storyline... You got to make sure these things happen at the same time. It'd be pretty difficult. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, it felt like the writer put a lot of thought and time into coming up with, like, the best way to tell each of the stories in each of the chapters. You know, like the the chapters came. It felt very, very different from one another. You know, and they came up with a few really creative ways to tell those stories. Yeah. Out of out of the three comics we've done on the podcast, 
I think it's just three. Yeah, I think so. All Star Superman, and the, the Transformers, Last End of the Wreckers, and this one. Like I know All Star Superman was very like each of the chapters was different. Yeah. It sort of had its own little. It's like an almost like an episode almost, of yeah. a TV show. Even you can go further than that because some episodes are like the same or just a continuing story. But like in that, it felt like its own unique arc inside of a bigger arc. And that's the same with this one. But Transformers felt less like that. Yeah. Transformers felt like more of like just a long story with pauses. You know what I mean? And the pauses still served a function. Mm-hmm. They would still end on a cliffhanger and the start would be a little bit less brutal than the end of the chapter in general. But there wasn't any like difference really between the chapters. Whereas this one is the best type for me. I I, I love it when they have like a new theme every time because it keeps you interested. It doesn't like bore you because I, I could recognize it was happening pretty early. Well, not that early, but <laughs> I mean, as soon as it happened like more than twice, I was like, oh, okay. And then that's when I was like, every time there was a, like they kind of go in level of importance. Not not really, but I, I knew like the people having their chapter towards the end are probably more likely going to be the one that killed the comedian. So every time someone's would come up, I go, oh, probably not here. Yeah. You know? So, and Dr. Manhattan's came early on because I was thinking it was probably him, but then his came. I was like, oh, well, it's not him now because he's been like explained, you yeah. know? So, but yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I, th- I think that's, like one of the better ways. I, I don't expect every comic to be like that, but if I have a choice, like I think that's a pretty good way to structure it. Yeah, it's like every time you start a new chapter, you have to take a few minutes to kind of find out what's the theme or what's the style of the story in this chapter. Mm. It's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, kind of similar to what Peter said, I, I really enjoyed getting into the world that the story was setting. Like if you if every chapter you kind of have to find the style of that chapter, you kind of have to throughout the whole thing kind of get into the world and find out how everything works because like like we mentioned it's not clear at first that they're not superheroes and you're always kind of looking for details to make sure if they're superheroes or they're normal people and i don't know like it takes a while to figure out how everything in this world works and to learn what to expect from this story like for example, the whole thing starts with the death of the comedian, which we've mentioned. And, and and because of that name and the fact that he was part of the Minutemen, which were the good guys, I figured out he was like this positive, fun, happy-go-lucky kind yeah, kind of character. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah, but, but you slowly <laughs> learn that it's basically the exact opposite of what he was. Like, he was the comedian because everything was a sad, cynical joke to him. He was yeah. maybe the darkest character or maybe maybe competes with Rorschach. And, you know, despite the fact that he seems kind of a selfish asshole, he seems to be considered like a national hero. And at some point, he's even employed by the government and he works under its authority. So it kind of, through that character, tells you a lot about the world. And I enjoyed how the expectations you kind of develop as you're starting, uh, you know, getting into the book are proven wrong fairly early on. There's almost like no character that doesn't serve, like a pretty important purpose. There's not a lot of waste, like, I find, like, with some not-as-well-written comics, like, you find, like, there's a lot of sidekicks that get mentioned because, like, this often happens in Superman with, like, his friend um, Jimmy. I think Jimmy. that's his name. Like, he always yeah. gets mentioned, but he never, like, 
or not never, but often he just gets flagged just to have the name in the comic, like just to be like, oh yeah, and Lewis is here, by the way. I don't know. They're just trying to make it like feel familiar, whereas like they're not part of the comic. You know what I mean? And this one didn't tell you about many characters that weren't actually a very important part. Like maybe you could argue the older Night Owl wasn't like, you know, like a pivotal part and also... He definitely was a secondary character, but the book that he wrote played a major part in the story. Yeah, and also Jeannie's mum is... I don't know, Jeannie? Uh, or Lori? Lori? No, L- Laurie. Laurie. Yeah. Janie was the first girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. No, La- Laurie's mom was like, oh, okay. You know, she wasn't like most integral part, but the, the, the screen time she got, not actually screen time, yeah. but like <laughs> what fit what she contributed to the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or even, even better, she contributed more than what her screen time probably yeah. like. She was allowed. a major character in Laurie's story. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the twist about her actually liking the comedian despite what he's done, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. I, I yeah. really enjoy that kind of complexity. Like, I think maybe even like a couple years ago, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit, but I don't think I would have liked it as much. Like, I, I think I used to be a very, like, one of those clear-cut kind of people. Like, I like everything to be kind of, you know, like, clean, yeah. like, good people, bad people, but I think I'm definitely more interested in the layers. Um, the further away from that it goes, yeah. You're growing up yeah. in front of our eyes, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Getting more complicated. <laughs> Who would you say is, like, maybe the weakest character, the we- the character that got the least development? Um, I, okay. Um, hmm. I gotta say that I, I wasn't a fan of Lori. Really? I thought her story no, was interesting, no, but I wasn't no, no, a no, huge fan no, of her as well. No, 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 no. I think no. Peter disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> this is not least favorite. This is least developed. Yeah, least developed. Okay. So I, I think Laurie got a good amount of development. Yeah, yeah. she definitely but, did. She had her story with her mom and her dad. She had her story with uh, John, Doctor Manhattan, with Dad. Yeah, and Dan. Janie, maybe. Janie, Janie Slater, the oh, first. She's girlfriend. a side character. She's a side character, so it's a bit hard. I'll suggest. Uh, Dan, the the new Night Owl. I thought like he was a, an okay character, but like he didn't get too much development throughout the story, right? He, it's not that he didn't get any development. It's not like his character was stationary throughout. Yeah. But maybe well, he kind of he kind of wakes up. I, I yeah. actually liked his. Uh, yeah, I like Dan. Team Dan. Yeah, I I like Dan as well because leave like, Dan the whole, alone. He, he, <laughs> he had like this theme of of him um, being the night owl is his true identity. Like he, he always felt uncomfortable as as just uh, a normal person, but once he he got the suit on, then then I felt like his character is shining and and fully erect again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I still kind of feel that it's a bit weaker than uh, Laurie's story or Rorschach's story. Yeah, and I think obviously. So. Uh, what's his name? Adrian, the the hero that turned out to be kind of the villain, or like maybe not the villain, but the guy behind the the conflict. He didn't get a bunch of development as well, but he was almost a mm. secondary character, I'd say. Yeah, who who Veidt? Yeah, yeah, Adrian Veidt, the Ozymandias. Yeah, uh, he seemed like he didn't get it much because it was at the very end. But he didn't like, need it. He yeah mm, yeah I I would say he is. Less developed, but I'm not really complaining. I think he served the purpose. Yeah. 
You know what I, I mean? totally agree. I love those stories when where you can understand the villain. You know, yeah. where it yeah. makes makes a really good argument. Yeah, even calling him a villain, I almost disagree. Almost, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's why I kind of stepped back from calling him a villain. I I think he's like the man behind the conflict, but he's not yeah. a villain. Who do you think's the least developed? I, I'd say the the night owl. I I think the night owl. I'll, I'll go night owl. Yeah. I'll go no. Yeah, I think so. I'll go Moloch. Moloch. <laughs> uh, no, that's not fair. <laughs> it has to be. They have to be what someone on the poster. I'd say the newspaper man. <laughs> Actually, the newspaper man. He does uh, go through. He some... keeps changing. Yeah, he keeps <laughs> yeah, developing. Yeah, he keeps changing. Yeah. Do you want to? Okay, I've got. I've got three things I want to talk about. So one is who you related to the most, like who you saw as being like the the center point, like the person that you can refer to. Um, secondly, best and worst characters. And third, best and worst moments. I guess uh, mostly they're best moments for me. I don't really have a lot of bad moments, yeah. but my bad moments tied to the, the worst character in the book, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go through most relatable character? I almost don't want to say it, but I think Rorschach was the guy I kind of, the character I kind of mostly connected with. Because <laughs> he's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Fucking unhinged. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I thought it was the most interesting character. And despite being unhinged and despite being uh, kind of weird and, and, and nutty, I think he was the most dedicated one. I think he was always leaning towards being mm. good, even though he no was... No compromises. Yeah, yeah, no compromises. I, I he, like that. He's the guy at work that's like, come on, guys, let's hit the deadline. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when Rorschach, even after hearing everything that Vyach and Manhattan had said, no compromises. No compromise. That was badass. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's wrong, but he's it was wrong. still badass. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he <laughs> was wrong, but I liked it. I don't know. I love the scene where he did the Rorschach test, where, like, they showed him the Rorschach blots. How do you call those? And, you know, you see that he's thinking about dead dogs with, like, heads split. And he's like, oh, oh I'm seeing clouds. Oh, this is a pretty, pretty butterfly. butterfly. Ultimate utilitarian. Who do you think, uh, Barrio, who is your favorite character, your most relatable oh, character? Oh, we're mixing them. This is most relatable, not favorite. Oh, yeah, that, you, Come on, you'll guys. Leave, you'll leave the conversation then. <laughs> <laughs> Barrio, who did you see the story through? Thank you, Peter. Like, whose eyes did you see it through? <laughs> I think I'll go with Rorschach as, as well, but, but I think it's kind of intentional. Like, he's literally True. Yeah. Like True. the narrator of most of it. Yeah, he is. Most of the time, he's That's the narrator. True. I still, okay, I'm not going to go Rorschach. I, I'm going to go Night Owl. I kind of felt like he was like the reality check for me. He was, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like he was the one that was always saying, like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. Like, can you believe this is happening? Yeah, he was a voice you know? of reason. He kept Rorschach kind of under check. Yeah, and, and also, like, because I was thinking, oh, man, would have been cool when all these heroes were out and, like, it's a shame they're not, but no one really addressed it. And then he's... You know, he as soon as he got back in the costume, he's like, "Wow, this is great again." And then I was like, "Oh, wow, this this guy I can get on board with. This guy thinks the same as me." You know, um, so as soon as he did that, and you know, with the love interest and every like, he seemed like I don't know, he just seemed like a very relatable guy. That's true. I, I thought he was. Um, I thought it was good. Also, I think a lot of people would say I'm forgetting the names again, but Genie, Laurie, Laurie, La- <laughs> Laurie, <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, I thought she was a bit relatable as well, like because she was like the relatable bit of the Doctor Manhattan relationship. Like he would have been a completely like 
weird character if well he was a weird character anyway <laughs> but without G- uh, without Laurie to like bring him back to earth you know like give him some not perspe- perspective but for the audience mostly to have a human talking to him was like who's not Rorschach is <laughs> <was> very useful. <laughs> yeah. A non-Rorschachian human. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She was very relatable as well. But her and Night Owl seemed like the you know how you have like a TV show where like two of the couples are like very weird and then you have one couple that's like the normal couple. Yeah. Yeah. So like they felt like the normal couple. So like they injected like reality into like all the other storylines, you know. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree, but I have to say that, like, I think Mario mentioned it earlier. I kind of, I really liked the story of her character, of Lori's character, the, 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 the relationship with John, a relationship with her mom, and finding out that the comedian was her dad. But I didn't really like that character too much. Yeah, I, I actually liked it. I don't know. Mm. Who is your favorite character? Yeah, I'll go with John. <laughs> I really like Dr. Manhattan. I think it's it's interesting because like it's incredibly risky putting a god in in your yeah, in your plot. a literal god figure. <laughs> yeah. Like uh someone who can do anything. It can very easily make the show incredibly boring. But if you put someone like that there and and it works, then it just shows uh how good it is. Like have you heard about One Punch Man? Yeah, I saw a few episodes. Like One Punch Man is is an anime about someone who's so strong he can just win every battle with one punch. And they have like an entire show about it. And the whole thing is that he's bored, but he's the only one who is bored. Everyone else is very excited about everything. And it's a completely different genre, completely different way to kind of like have a god in in your plot in your story. Yeah. But you know, what, what's interesting is that you have someone who's godlike and he's getting detached from humanity and, and you try to see how this connects with something that is very human-like of people raging war against each other in the shadow of World War Three, etc. He wasn't my favorite character, but I loved how how he sees everything at once. Like yeah. he, his perception of time was so different and they showed it in a very interesting way. Like yeah, the, the, that was amazing. It wasn't just something that they mentioned. It was something that like you actually saw happening, you know? He kept talking about how he's enjoying his time with his first girlfriend, I think Janie, but he's also at the same time experiencing their breakup. It was really interesting stuff. Yeah. Like, he knows everything, but, you know, it's kind of like how you're experiencing the three dimensions of space, but you, you can't really do anything about them. You, you know, you, you experience all three of them at once. Like, it's the same way with him. He experiences also the, the dimension of time, but he can't do anything about it. Like, imagine, you know, for us, it's, it's so frustrating. For us, for Laurie, it's so frustrating. Peter, what about you? Well, I know we're on our favorite characters, but just because we've... Uh gone and talked about dr manhattan i'll just say dr manhattan is this the worst character he absolutely <laughs> sucks <laughs> i hated the time bit really this yeah i thought you were growing I up i mostly hated the character and i sort of hated the writing of the not the writing of the character but the fact he's in the book <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> okay 
So, you know what he symbolizes the the subreddit, which is I'm 13 and this is deep? Like, <laughs> he was saying shit that just doesn't map onto anything. Like, he was looking around Mars at all the the beautiful hills and, like, the geography and stuff like that. Then Laurie yes. <laughs> is, is saying, like, oh, why don't you care about humans? And he's basically, like, saying, oh, humans are, like, you know, bacteria, just, you know, I only see atoms and, oh, you know, quantum, that's where it's at. And I'm just like, firstly, I'm human, and I was a bit pissed off at that. <laughs> but You like, took it personally. <laughs> but then... Laurie gives him this, like, oh, isn't it cool? Like, well, actually, I can't remember if it's Laurie or him or if he convinces himself. But he's like, um, oh, actually, you know, you got to give birth to, like, heaps of generations and then you've got to have your mother and then the comedian to give you your unique blend. And then, um, you know, I like you. And then Laurie's like, yeah, but every human's like that. And he's like, yes, exactly. And I was just like, you're the stupidest person ever. <laughs> like... You Do you just like things that, like, it's like having a dice, right? But instead of, like, even sides, there's five sides that are, like, even. And then there's one one side which is just, like, very, very skinny or something. And every time he's throwing the dice, he's getting all these normal dice rolls. And he's just like, this is meaningless. Nothing matters. And then it rolls on, like, the slightly more, like, improbable one. And he's like, yes, meaning. That's where meaning is. Like... He just cares only about, like, unlikely events. And that's, yeah. like, just who are you? Like, you know, that's, like, you should just like what you want to like. Like, it doesn't have to be rare, you know. And the fact that um, he's, okay, so he's like, oh, I, I see, like, you know, that you slept with um, Night Owl. Yeah, but, um, you know, but you've got to tell me, like, I'm fucking stupid until you you let me know and then, you know, she's like, oh, okay, weirdo. And then she's like, oh, yeah, so anyway, so we're sleeping together. He's like, what? Oh, you are? Like, oh, that's news to me, new information. Woo, like, <laughs> no, that's so bad. This like, is time, but it can't change time. He has to react the same. He's chained that, by it. That whole metaphysical thing that they put in the book is just crazy and dumb. It sucks. <laughs> like... <laughs> I love it when Peter becomes emotional. Yeah. <laughs> this is coming from literally someone who is a determinist and would deny free will. And I think this character is terrible. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't have a choice in the matter, so you can't blame me. But one, it complicates it because you can see the future. That, okay, it's ignore not, the it's fact not, that It's not seeing the future. the future. It's He's experiencing the future. It's also the yeah, same. Okay, all right. I'll go through that. I'll, I'll flag that, okay? <laughs> but when you're living, right? You know, it, the whole point of living is like, you don't know what could happen, you know? Like, sure, everything that will happen to you is, is set in stone. But the point, the fun bit is like discovering it. You know what I mean? Yeah, he like, addresses that point though, like near the end. I think he says, I should thank you, no, Adrian, because you gave me back uncertainty for a while. And that made me feel human. Yeah, that was that was like a slight redemption. Yeah. I didn't love that character, just so we're clear about that. I love the time bit. See, the the problem with the time bit is like, one, he wasn't embracing the not knowing. Like, not knowing is like what makes life enjoyable. Yeah. And that that's fun. But the fact that like you can see the future, but you can't change it, that, that makes no sense. Because if you see the future and you go, hmm, okay, well, I'm going to change that 
right? You know what I mean? Like you can change it and then that'll be the future. You know, if someone tells you, oh, tomorrow, like your building is going to catch on fire, you like he feels like such a fatalist where he's mm. like, oh, I guess I'm going to die in a fire tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, like, okay, this would have redeemed it for me if he was like, mm, I'm seeing the future. I know I can't change it, but like, there's got to be a way. And then have like a frame of him like trying as hard as he could not to like do something that he saw himself doing. Like, could have been interesting. That, that would have been good. And also the fact that he's seeing the future, right? That is happening. Like him seeing the future is part of the present, right? So what happens if he sees himself seeing the future? That could happen, which it doesn't happen in the book. But then you could just have this thing where you see yourself seeing the future, who's seeing the future, and then you could just go forward like an infinite amount of times. Eventually, if you see it, if you do it like long enough, you know what I mean? Then like half of your day is spent doing that, then eventually you'll see so far you just won't be able to get out of it, you know? I want to suggest but, uh, I want to suggest a, another perspective. Yeah. Like imagine John's story as something that ends the moment that he tells you how he became doc- Dr. Manhattan, right? But from then on, he's kind of like a... It's not about really his character. Like it's mostly about like the consequences that... Like he's a plot tool, mm, right? Yeah. How he drives everything else, and how it's 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 a way to talk about humanity, and you know, it's it's kind of like it's very contradictory. It's it's interesting that the comedian and Doctor Manhattan were at Vietnam together and killed people because it's like killing from two different perspectives. It's kind of like uh, the comedian is a nihilistic cynic, and Doctor Manhattan is kind of like apathic towards everything so that and the fact that the comedian cries at some point and dr manhattan realizes that there's some kind of a value to life creates this very interesting effect yeah if if you treat him as a plot device i think it gets much better mm. but yeah i didn't like the fact that he was going to set up a new human colony as well or a new colony of people because like he was okay Next floor, like he's <laughs> admiring the landscape of Mars, right? Yeah. And he's saying, wow, isn't it great without any, you know, humans and any An beings oil pipeline and stuff like or that. a shopping mall or whatever. Yeah. But, mate, if, if you and Laurie weren't there, no one would be appreciating it because that's what people and beings are there to do, appreciate things. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, yes, we do destroy things, but it's like without that, then no one can enjoy the geography of this planet, you know? And then at the end, he's like, oh, great. Now I'm going to do what I'm going to do before, you know, you know me, love all my landscapes. And then he's like, oh, yeah, but I'm going to bring heaps of people to enjoy it. Like, I know he had that, you know, come to Jesus moment, but I still (laughs) think he like denied everything that he was standing for before. You know, like he thought like, oh, wow, there's so much beauty in like not being like surrounded by people. I'm like the only like things that can be not surrounded by people are people, you know. You have to be someone to not be surrounded by someone else. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, that's true. So Peter won. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he was my least favorite. But my favorite, honestly, I don't really have a favorite. Like they're all pretty equal i hate them all <laughs> <laughs> i i i think the obvious answer is probably rorschach but i'll go for 
the comedian. I think the comedian was a good character. Great character. He kind of scared me, so I didn't like him too much, but he was a, yeah. a very good character. Like, the bit that I liked was that he was the only person who really understood the joke, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. he he was like the nihilist, you know? Like, he understood so well that he turned against it, you know what I mean? He He understood that everything is meaningless. He understood that life is just a big joke. And instead of being the butt of the joke, he was going to like meet out, you know, brutality. Cause I don't know, it was like, it's kind of like the absurdity, you know, he was like, well, the only way to like respond to a rationally like brutal world is with absurdity. You just, yeah. just do weird shit to get over the existential dread. And like, whilst I sort of agree, sort of don't agree, I kind of liked that stance like it, it i don't know like he dedicated his whole life to thinking that life's a joke and i don't know i kind of like that i also did like rorschach because he was like the ultimate we'll call comedian we'll call him the the nihilist we'll call rorschach we'll call him the deontologist because y- you don't compromise you know even if it's like the whole world versus three million people he's like you know the principal guy mm, adrian yeah. is obviously the utilitarian Mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan is the first year philosophy student. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Night Owl is Mr. Reasonable. <laughs> and that's not a cop out. I actually, Night Owl was, I, every time he was in the conversation, he's like, guys, let's just use common sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you call Laurie? Um, hmm. I'm not sure. She was sort of like Mrs. Reasonable. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if Laurie had like this big philosophy or not, but I know she had to live with being the daughter of the comedian, which probably was tough. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think we explored her sort of philosophy that that deeply. But I think that's why she was my least favorite. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it wasn't about her philosophy; it was only about how she experienced uh, things mm, yeah. uh, herself. Yeah. You know. Her story with her father, her story with her mother, her story with John, her story with uh, with with Night Owl. It wasn't really something about the world, and and in comparison to all the other characters, I don't know. It came it came a bit short. My favorite moments was probably I enjoyed this the multiple scenes with Rorschach and the psychologist. I Loved those. Like honestly, you try you tried to do a Rorschach test on a guy called Rorschach. Like how dumb yeah. are you? But <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. <laughs> do, do you not think through that concept? But anyway, <laughs> like I thought that was amazing. I did think honestly, like because Rorschach was meant seen like as this like crazy guy who could turn the psychologist crazy. I thought it was a little overblown, like that the guy became crazy after like a few conversations, but. I didn't mind it too much. I thought that over-exaggeration of a little bit. Although he kind of turned back to normal um, towards the end, I guess. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that situation. It's It kind of shows, like, how Rorschach became crazy because, like, he, he was driven crazy because mm. of society. And, like, yeah, the, the, the psychologist guy kind of stood for society and, like, he couldn't at all understand Rorschach. Yeah, the interesting bit about that, actually, is, like, he... At the start, he didn't understand. And then at the end, he was like converted to what Rorschach kind of feels, you know, but he still doesn't understand. Like, at all. You know, yeah. what I mean? you feel like Rorschach understands why he's Rorschach, but 
the other guy, once he becomes almost like a Rorschach, he doesn't understand why though. You know, he he doesn't have that ability to step back and analyze, whereas Rorschach yeah. kind of does at some moment. Another moment I really liked was just between the Night Owl, uh, what's Night Owl's name again? Um, ben, Dan. Dan. Dan, Dan Dreiberg. Dreiberg. Yeah, Dreiger, yeah, Dry, Dreiberg. Um, yeah, Dan and, and Laurie, I thought. Um, the main one where they're kind of, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the one how he fails to get the erection, basically that, that, yeah. that whole <laughs> sequence I thought was very funny. I, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed that, you know, weren't really themselves. He was getting friend zoned and, you know, and yeah. then like they go out and then they're like, oh, wow, you know, you look pretty good in the costume. And I enjoyed that whole scene. I thought that was very good. And then the last scene I thought sort of enjoyed was just the whole Adrian fight ta- talking about how he wanted to be Alexander the Grey. And I felt that was very engaging. Like I was yeah. trying to understand this guy's psychology in like such a short amount of time. And honestly, like you kind of feel like you do a little bit. They didn't show the aftermath of what he did mm. too much, which I thought I wanted a bit more of. That's true. But yeah. The whole ending was really great. Yeah. You do want some more, but I'm really glad that they didn't show more of the aftermath because it, it is it does exactly what the story tries to do. It kind of leaves it open. And, well, you do see some records that or magazines yeah. or such about, like, world peace and there's nothing to yeah. write about, uh, etc. So it does sound like it worked and it's kind of like sad, happy ending. I have to ask, like... The success of Adrian's plan relies on the fact that no one knows that he did it. Mm. And we know that Rorschach's journal containing like the information is, is out there and might someday come out and convince people of the truth. Do you like that? The, the fact that they left kind of a crack in the plan? Um, yeah, I do. Adrian monologues, it's not, in, it's not in the journal. So even if they did get and, and publish it. I think it does mention that they're going to Antarctica to face... Uh, and then he sends it quickly before. I think he says he has to send the, the journal quickly before leaving to Antarctica. So I think maybe not the whole plan Adrian kind of made up is in the journal, but I think the, the kind of there's enough leads there. Mm-hmm. It is in the crank file, you know, the, the, that's what they call kind of the crazy conspiracy theory stuff for the newspaper. But And maybe because Rorschach wrote it, and he's considered to be a, a, a crazy guy. Maybe it's it's not really a crack in the plan. But I, I don't know. I think they did kind of leave an opening for the plan to fail. Which kind of makes sense because everything seems to fail in this universe. You know, everything is kind of dark and cynical. So the fact that the, the plan might in the future fail, that kind of makes sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Barrio, your favorite moment? Yeah. <laughs> I got three. And I'll do it in, in ascending order. The first one is uh, the comedian's funeral. I really like the that we didn't know any anything at that point about the comedian, and it just really successfully draws a picture about who the comedian was. And I don't know, maybe it's like I, I've seen this scene before, right? Like where you're at the guy's funeral, and there are these flashbacks that tells who who that guy was. But I don't know, maybe it was because it was in the comic. I understood much better, and and he was a crazy guy, and that wasn't really a nice funeral. It was like this psycho has died, especially because I think like the last flashback is about him shooting this pregnant lady with his own baby. Like that was yeah, up. I almost forgot about that actually. 
That was pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. The second one is, and I apologize, Peter, but <laughs> I, I really like the whole I'm on Mars, the picture is falling to my feet. I just met Janie Slater, Dr. Manhattan, experiencing everything and tells his story. I think that this was like a really cool way of showing... A story that keeps jumping between points in time. Yeah, but the main concept that it's not jumping, it's all exactly. happening at once. And, and I, I don't know, that it amazed me how well it worked. It, even though I, I didn't like it, it was still like interesting to me. Even the fact that I think it's kind of wrong, like it was still like at the, at the whole time I was reading it, I was like engaged and like vividly kind of like paying attention to it. Like it was, I thought it was well-written story. It's just like, I, I don't know, I, I sort of like, for instance, like sometimes you don't like a character, but you like that they're in the story and that like how well they're written. Exactly, you know? exactly. I totally felt that way towards Dan the Night Owl. I didn't love the character, but... He was definitely an important character. I'm, I'm definitely happy that he was there, and I loved his role. I feel like that towards Dr. Manhattan, but I also don't like him. It's not like the writing was bad, but I just didn't like the metaphysic of him being like a fatalist. I'm fine with like, you know, everything will happen, but the fact that he thinks he can't kind of change it or like him making a decision isn't part of that change, you know what I mean? Like... I didn't like that. I did like the bit where he sees all of time all at once. I thought that was quite good, actually. That's the one thing about him that I thought was pretty good. Mm. Like all of time is sort of one. That's mm. that's interesting to me. Yeah. Your th- third moment. Yeah, and my third moment was the death of Rorschach. Ooh, yeah. No compromises. He goes out to the snow and he meets Dr. Manhattan and he knows that it's... Uh, let me quote Batman, like an uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And like, there's only one way that it can go. And, and he takes his own face off, you know, and, and uh, I, I thought that was like really symbolic that he did that. It's kind of like he's also accepting that, you know, it's not his face. He wanted to look at him directly when mm-hmm. he does that. The Rorschach death is actually pretty fantastic. Oh, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the end? Not necessarily. Like, there was two problems, I think. Like, one was the Adrian Veidt, like, did he do the right thing? And then there was the more, like, the Dr. Manhattan side. Like, did they, as a group, do the right thing by going along with Adrian's sort of plan? Yeah, I think they kind of left it open for interpretation. I think the the second one, which is, like, did Dr. Manhattan and the group do the right thing by not telling the public. I think that for me is pretty clear cut. Like I think they did do the right thing because essentially those people died already. And, you know, if you don't, nothing's good's going to happen from it. Although potentially maybe setting up society on a lie is a bad thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but then Adrian's is more interesting because it's not like you don't know that nuclear war was absolutely going to happen. So you can't say, like, the three million is better than the whole world because, you know what I mean, like, it was a lot of speculation. Yeah, would you have stopped Adrian's plan if you could have? Um, Like, if you were a character in the comic, if you were there and you could have, like, you know, pressed a button to stop it. Realistic answer, yes. Not just because I don't like it, like, it's not very palatable, but I didn't think it would work. (laughs) Like, I, I didn't think it would work when it was happening, so I was surprised. Like, it seems like almost too, you know, too outside the box. Yeah. But if I knew it was going to work, not sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, 
in terms of Adrian's decision, like I, I thought it, he was a great character because he was willing to be the bad guy. He was like, yep, I'm going to be the bad guy. Like everything is going to be my decision. And not just that, but he, when Dr. Manhattan asked him, like, you know, oh, how'd you do it? Like, you know, because he didn't have that much passion, you know, it's Dr. Manhattan. Um, he's just like, you know, I, I felt, felt every, every death, death and everything yeah. like that. So often utilitarians sort of get the the bad sort of rap by being like, you know, would you kill four people to save five? Utilitarians are always killing people, throwing people <laughs> off bridges, you know, like switching train tracks. Like you never get like the effective altruism version of like, utilitarians if like, oh if you could give a dollar to this donation station it's always like how many people would you kill yeah, like, yeah. could you rip off your finger to do this or like you know like it always feels like the the better of the evils you know whereas like that's not always utilitarianism but i mean <laughs> this one it was like he's like um oh nuclear war how many millions of people do I have to kill? <laughs> As if like there was no other way to do it yeah. than like three million. That's the minimum. <laughs> like try to do all my calculations and not one less person could have died. Yeah. yeah. It does feel like utilitarians always coming up with excuses where they have to kill people. <laughs> Yeah, but he definitely acted as a bad guy, but he wasn't the villain. He wasn't the villain because he felt every death. Yeah. But, you know, the tricky bit is like him having the corporation pyramid, the whole sneakiness and the fact that Alexander the Great is his mentor, yeah. his idol. Like it makes it seem like he has an ulterior motive, whereas like that didn't need to be there. Like he could have just been like, a normal guy and like yes he had to kill the comedian stuff but like i don't know he does seem he seems like a shady guy you know what i mean like even though what he did was probably the right thing he doesn't look like a very like after after he's done this do you think he's gonna like be helping old ladies cross the street and all this like helping out of the soup kitchen like he feels like he's got too much of an ego to be that guy you know what well, i mean they, like, they introduced his character as that guy they introduced him as a philanthropist. Yeah, but he does seem like he's got ulterior motives. Like, put it this way. If Dan was the person to make this plan up, it was all Dan. And then Dan's like, look, guys, you know, it's the only way. Had to be done. That it had to happen. I would have been like, man, Dan the man. Like, you know, this, that's fantastic. But because it's this guy that wears, like, this massive gold neck thing and, like, he... He almost looks like he's got like <laughs> in for world domination. Yeah. And in some ways he was because he's like, I want to yeah. change the world. How do I do it? And it's like, oh, well, got to defeat this nuclear thing. Like it, like it seemed like he didn't really care about the people, but he only cared about being in the record books. But then you get the same with him now. He's like, I felt everything. So like that. I don't think it's a flaw, but I do think it's a bit throws like a another bit of gray where it's like he's. He's not a very likable character to me. There's no rule saying you, ha you have to save the world and also be likable. No. But you know what I mean? Like it's hard to put away my, my suspicions that he potentially is not actually the nicest guy in the yeah. world. So. Yeah. I think you're, you have a point. Like I think that if the story was written today, then like I'm sure that they would have made a, a night owl to be like the, the mastermind or at least someone who, who plays along with it. But I think what it tried to do is, is to take Adrian and 
just paint a picture of him as a as a saint i i agree i think if dan would have been behind the the plot you you would have known that it was totally pure-hearted but i think with adrian it, it, i think it's left vague on purpose mm, okay i can live with that in the end i i I did enjoy the experience quite a bit. You know, like I had fun slowly finding out more about the Watchmen universe and the characters, which I know I said I didn't connect with all of the characters, but I did think they were all really interesting and all had like their role to play. And most of the characters were really unique. You know, they had interesting traits and there's like a fair amount of characters in these 12 chapters. I think, like we said, around eight and you get to know them fairly well, mostly. I think it's kind of cool. I think the story and the characters and and like the relationships bring up really interesting questions that get you kind of thinking about more than just the story or the book. I think I think it's really interesting. So all in all, pretty good experience. I really liked it. I wish I would have read it before watching the other videos. the The comic in itself, is great and and it holds up and I think it will be for years to come and I think that the movie was great by the way it like at least the long cut does justice to it like it's I, I love that there are some scenes that are like one to one I just enjoyed it, it was awesome yeah, the movie was a real loyal kind of interpretation of the book really stuck yeah. to the book yeah. And it's a good movie. I think even if they changed the ending a bit, yeah. but still works. And I think that the TV show is also interesting and, and worth watching, especially if you enjoy the, these other two. This is like definitely my favorite comic I've done on the podcast and potentially my favorite comic ever, actually. This Ooh. is, I saw it had so much depth and character, but it wasn't too deep, like in terms of, like they didn't try to have like crazy connections between everything because I feel like some comic book writers want to make everything interconnect so much that it just becomes like a web of just crazy coincidences and stuff. This one doesn't do that. This one's like all interconnected, but it's not like creepily done, you know, like mm. it's it it just flows very nicely. Each character, you know, has different principles and, you know, morals and stuff like that. And The best bit for me, definitely the characters. I thought the characters shone through. They're so different. I've never seen so many different characters in such a such a small amount of time. You yeah, know, that's like true. Usually it takes writers much longer to flesh them out. And, like, there's so many things we didn't even get to. Like, there was the the chapter called um, The Two two Writers Were Approaching. Was that what it was called? Um, from the Bob Dylan song, um, All Along the Watchtower. Uh, I mean, there's so many good... references so and also for people that haven't got the book or, or do have the book but want to do it in a different way I watched the last three chapters on YouTube there was a non mentioned it like when he introduced it last episode um, there's sort of like these adapted from comic to the more like an animated film um, those are also very good as well so if I think I watched the last three again. Um, so I read them all and then I just watched the last three just to refresh myself on the ending. And I think that is a very good way to watch it. I don't know if I'd pref- – I think I prefer the book, but it was still – that's fantastic as well if you're into that. And, yeah, I think just overall it was very complete and gets me very excited for the movie. I, I thought it was pretty much like 
just the ultimate comic book, you know? It's, it's fantastic. You'll love the movie's soundtrack. Uh, it's, mm. it's based on a lot of those it's quotes. Great. It's great. <laughs> so, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not Watchmen has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, a.k.a. the Queg. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay, and the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Let's have a vote. Who wants to vote first? I will start. It's been a while since I was so sure about a very positive tip of the hat. Like, I, I would really recommend it in your quest of being cultured. Peter, do you want to go next? Yeah, I think um, I'm kind of with Barrio. I think I've never, I don't know if I've ever been as sure on a vote before, but yeah, this is clearly ominous stroke. Of the mustache. No, 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 no. Sorry, I got it. <laughs> tip, of I got it tip of the hat. Tip of the hat. Sorry, I do it so often. I get, I get confused. Uh, tip of the hat. Tip of the hat. Definitely tipping hat. I'm uh, for the first. I think it's the first time that you guys have tipped your hat, and I'm on the fence. I, I'm usually the hat tipper. I would say that should have been my like superhero name. <laughs> oh my god, the hat tipper. The tipper. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm on the fence. And, and here's what I'm thinking. Um, I, the way I see it, the quag is for stuff that, you know, for people who are trying to explore, like, the pop culture uh, world and, and to get kind of a better understanding of, like... We know what the quag is. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm thinking, is it essential? Like, is it something that... Everyone who's trying to get a better grip on pop culture should go through. It's a great story. It's a high-quality comic book. Uh, there's a lot of positive things here. But is it essential? Is it something that should be kind of a starting point to explore the world, the, the pop culture world? I don't know. I, I'm, I, I said at the beginning that I, um, I, I don't feel as strongly about this. I don't think it's a starting point, necessarily. I think it's a good starting point. Well, I, I would actually recommend to read it after you, you've seen some superhero stuff. Because that's, that's where it, like the contrast yeah, is very interesting. Yeah, it comments a lot about the, the superhero uh, stuff. Yeah, like after you're reading uh, All Star Superman, although I don't think that it made it into it the quag. No. But generally speaking, you know, like like probably superhero mov movies are here to stay, right? And getting to Watchmen, which is this dark, a lot of a lot of anti heroes, then I think that in that in that way it does have a does have a place. To be honest, if I had to say to someone like, "Oh, this guy doesn't like comic books," but you have one opportunity to sway him to the other way or sway her to actually like them or get them into it i would say well line this one up because this is just like this is like two to force of how to write a comic book yeah that's a great point you don't need to like um hedge it either you don't need to say oh this is good like it takes a few you know chapters to get into it or something like that like you don't really have to do it like there's nothing that's such a big draw or no the opposite of a draw there's nothing that's such a big sort of point of contention that some people will be not so into that you have to like advise people against it like i'm i would just say like anyone really as long as you're like of a sufficient age i, I wouldn't say like you wouldn't be like 12 reading it but like you know as long as you're like 15 16 17 maybe i think yeah yeah think definitely that's a that's a good point i've said at the beginning i think i might have come to this with a bit of too high expectations 
But I, I can agree with you, Peter. Like, if someone would have told me, there, I, I'm not into comics at all, but I'm willing to give it just one shot, then this would have been the one I, I'd vote for. So I, I'm willing to give this uh, a tip of my hat. It's not a enthusiastic tip of the hat as I gave, like, maybe Fight Club or uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, maybe. But uh, I'm happy to say that this is in the quag. It's very fitting for Watchmen to have, like, a... A, t- a kind of a tip of the hat, like not clear cut, but you know, a bit of like a gray area tip uh, of the hat. That's true. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so dark. Yeah. <laughs> it's an ominous tip of the hat. I love it. It's an ominous tip of the hat. <laughs> so, for our next episode, we're going to watch the movie Rebel Without a Cause from 1955. I think I think it's a it's kind of a classic, right? It's known for having James Dean and Natalie Wood playing like the two main roles. I I think I know it mostly for uh, Futurama. the The main character in Futurama is kind of designed after James Dean in this movie, like the the blue jeans, the red jacket, the uh, wavy hair. Um, and also, I I think this movie appears for a few seconds in La La Land. Uh, they go and see kind of a a screening of that movie. And I don't know, I, I've seen that movie around, always kind of was interested in what, what this movie is about and who James Dean is. So I want to watch the movie. You guys heard anything about that movie? Uh, Honestly, not really. Yeah, I do know James either. Dean, but um, don't really know much about it. Here's uh, the description the, the from IMDb. A rebellious young man with a troubled past comes to a new town, finding friends and enemies. I'll mention that I watched the trailer before we started recording this episode and it didn't make me really excited about the movie like oh here here's my impressions from the trailer which is you know just two minutes long it seems like a kind of a movie that's gonna be easy to make fun of with kind of weird acting but it has a good uh, ranking in imdb and uh i think it is considered a classic so it's going i think it's going to be a Maybe a bit weird, but an interesting experience. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Very early movie for us as well. This is the first 50s movie. Yeah. The earliest movie we've watched, I think. 1955. I think the next one is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly from 1966. And then maybe The Producers from 1967. I don't think I've watched many movies from the 50s. Should be good. Yeah. So thank you, Peter. And thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest state of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. (laughs) Bye-bye. The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All the People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, 
www.org. So it's it's a .org, so it's it's legit. And um, basically, they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously, we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just good place to go. Thank you. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.